0: This week on Heads and Tails, we hear from secret agent and former professional football player, Brian Bond. Brian is an expert at recovering from ACL injuries, although not by choice. But before we get started, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you go over to iTunes and Stitcher, subscribe to our podcast, and also leave us a five-star review. This helps us spread our message further and further each week. You can also stay up to date by following us on Instagram, at Heads and Tails. Heads is in multiple heads, the letter N, and then Tails spelt T-A-L-E-S. Same thing goes on Twitter, at a P-O-D on the end, and also like us on Facebook. And now... The moment you've all been waiting for. Oh. This is Kevin Som. You're listening to the Heads and Tails Podcast. We share stories of perseverance and inspiration in sports and in life. This week on Heads and Tails, we interview Brian Bond. He's a former pro athlete and uh, a former college football player. We're going to talk about some of the injuries that he suffered throughout his career in football and outside of football and kind of how he overcame those obstacles. We'll talk a little bit about maybe some concussion stuff, and we'll, he'll take us through the – the different levels of, of football in his career and kind of what his, his future goals are. Um, so Brian, let's start off by talking about what sports you played growing up. He's a, a Long Valley guy like myself. Uh, so we played for the the Long Valley Raiders and for the West Morris Wolfpack, right? That's so, right. What other, uh, so in, in addition to football, did you play anything
1: else? So growing up, I played uh, baseball, basketball, and football. Baseball was kind of my first love, but uh, as I got older, I drifted towards football a little more. I was You know, fell in love with the contact, I think. All right.
0: Not the contact with the baseball, just the
1: contact with other people. Yes, (laughs) person-to-person contact. The fun Um, kind. So this happened, like, in high school? or? So this was actually uh, middle school. That's when I kind of grew into my body a little bit. I was always a, a husky guy. So when you're younger and bigger... Uh, it's easier to stand there and swing a bat than actually, you know, Go really there. move your body around and be athletic. So once I grew into my body, I started to really get into football and how to use my body.
0: Right. To a, And Brian, uh, he's a phenomenal athlete. He's got, like, a crazy vertical jump. And so it's funny to hear you say that you were a husky kid growing up. So would would you say yeah. that you struggled in sports because you were, like, kind of bigger? Well, or I think
1: I'm more of a, a late bloomer. We'll put it that okay, way. Okay. I always had a... Uh, a couple of guys used to call me Fred Flintstone cuz I was really big but they said I had twinkle toes cuz I could move really well and I was nimble. Right. So I always kind of felt like an athlete kind of trapped in a, a husky kid's body, so. Right. I kind of made a yeah, a late jump into into football.
0: All right, so there's hope out there for you guys who are uh, listening to this <laughs> and maybe in the, in the same boat. Always hope for the husky kids. Yeah. Um so what injuries did you have, you know, in your
1: early athletic career? So early on, I was really fortunate. I actually didn't have any injuries, and, you know, that might have actually backfired. I almost felt like I was invincible. Invincible, You know, you'd throw your body around, and other than the regular cuts and bruises and black and blues, you know, I I felt indestructible. Right. My first injury wasn't until my senior year of college, actually.
0: Oh, wow. That's a pretty long span to not get hurt, I guess. So what position did you play in high school? So in high school, I played uh, offensive guard and defensive
1: tackle. And, you know, I guess that's how it works at a small high school. I was only about 200 pounds, but I was playing the like right. guard and tackle, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the big man position. And I played third base and outfield in baseball. I played basketball up until uh, freshman year of high school, and then I uh, let that go. Why? Uh, you know, I think the level was just a little too high for me. Some of the guys were a lot taller than me, and they, uh, they you know, did it year-round, and they put all their focus into it, and I just didn't feel like I could compete at the highest level. So I focused on baseball and football. Started just lifting. Exactly. That's yeah. what you do. Coaches get you in the weight room.
0: <laughs> yep. Um, what was I going to say? So you were a late bloomer in terms of height, too, because you're a pretty tall guy now, right? You're what? like? Yeah, about 6'2". Six two six two two, um
1: yeah. yeah, you know, I I think it was because maybe I was never held back. Uh, I was still 17 years old as a freshman in college. Oh, so, damn.
0: Yeah, I kind of still curse my parents for that. <laughs> I was wondering what could have been if I
1: stayed back a year.
0: Damn, but, okay. Uh, Who would have thought that? So what were some of your, like, high school accolades? Did you guys win a state championship? So we, uh, my senior year, we made it to the state finals,
1: and we lost at home. That was kind of a a disappointing loss. Yeah, it was like varsity blues type uh, (laughs) drama, last minutes. Uh, We could have tied it with a touchdown. And actually, our star player, who was the Morris County Player of the Year, he was incredible running back. His name was Tom Campion. I remember he, growing uh, up watching you guys play, yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I'm going to dog him like this on the air. But he, he took an easy pass, <laughs> like right off the chest, wide open in the end zone. And it was one of those things where, you, I mean, we wouldn't have even been there if it wasn't for, for him. So you yeah. couldn't be mad at him. You, just, you know, you just felt bad. We had to pick him up. He was really bummed out. But who I'm knows? Sure, that only yeah. would have tied it anyway. But we made it to the state finals. And it was kind of the, the homegrown Long Valley thing to do. We could have played at Giant Stadium, but we'd rather take the home game.
0: Right, yeah, I remember, was that like a really warm day, or that was the
1: following year? I think it was the year after, it was, it was. I remember being cold and breezy, and man, I remember walking out to the field, and maybe it was just because it was cold, there were so many big jackets out there, but it looked like there wasn't a spot in the stands, it was the biggest crowd I'd ever seen at a football game, and I'd right. been going to West Morris game since I was a little kid.
0: Right. And that was a heck of a feeling. Uh, what was your favorite memory from high school football? You know, I... My favorite
1: memory from high school football, believe it or not, is probably camp. Even though camp it's is like considered worst, yeah. hell week, but it wasn't the on-the-field stuff. It was just being with the teammates and having fun with the guys, doing little activities in between practices,
0: and at night just goofing right. around and just, just that camaraderie with all your buddies. And that's something that I think a lot of people, or a lot of athletes, that's what they miss. Like That's the kind of things that they miss once their sports career is over. And I think we'll kind of get into that a little later on in the interview, but... We, when we went to the – Brian and I went to the same high school, played for the same coach, and I actually um, never went away to camp because there was a little yeah. amazing I- incident that – heard about that, that yeah, after that, my time. That happened, yeah. So then I had never got to go away and kind of experience that. Like, yeah, we still went to camp, but, like, it was just like another practice, you know, at our high school, so it wasn't anything different. So, yeah, I'm kind of – jealous i guess yeah that well you it know what you together. can be
1: now you wouldn't have been jealous at the time that's before they actually and i know it's good that they have them but that was before the time when they instituted these rules of how many practices you're allowed to have how much time in between practices how many water breaks all these things that actually they're they found are really important right but they just went by the wayside i mean during camp you kind of hated camp and then after camp you went wow that
0: was the best you know it's like running like a marathon or something it's like it sucks while you do it but then when it's over oh, Not that I've it. ever ran a marathon but I can imagine it would be that, like yeah, yeah. I think you're right <laughs> me neither yeah, That's cool So what kind of like strength training did you do in high school did you guys have like a program or was it still the same weight room like is that when you first started getting into like the training aspect of athletics
1: You know it, it really was you just nailed it actually it's a funny time when I was growing up in high school because I got to see the transition from the old-fashioned, like my freshman and sophomore year of high school, there were no coaches in the weight room. You would just follow what the seniors did, and those seniors really did whatever they wanted. You, I mean, I remember going to the weight room doing abs, bench press, curls. bicep <laughs> curls, exactly, the ABC workout, and then you just get out of there, hit the showers. So my junior year was the first year that um, Coach Del Piore, who you know really well, yeah. came on the scene and he started a true strength program where we're doing power lifts, core lifts, right. deadlifts and squats. And then it became almost a contest. He put all these, you know, uh, things in play like the thousand pound club, club and yeah, the yeah. bench press club. And so it really became a more structured program halfway through my high school career. And what a difference it made. I mean, I wish that we had that the whole way. Four
0: years, yeah. I mean, I'm the, same, I, the same thing happened to me because we had, like, a, a strength program my freshman and sophomore year. But it wasn't Coach Dell. He was, like, at um, VCU doing, like, a GA thing with the basketball team. So, like, I still missed out on two years of lifting with him. I can only imagine, like, what I could have done if I, if I had him. But – yeah, it it's is amazing what, it is. what a structured program will do. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So did you make the 1,000-pound club, and did you make the, uh, um, the, the, gold, the gold club for bench, the 300-pound bench press? I think this is a trick question because I was actually the first member of the
1: 1,000-pound oh, club. Oh, okay. Because so it happened to be my junior year. He came in, and that's when I did it. So, yeah, I was in the 1,000-pound club. The first. Um, I'm going to blame this on the whole late bloomer thing and the chubbiness maybe because I was only in the silver club during the year. I didn't make the gold club until after in uh, the bench press.
0: All right, I never Later made it to, life. to silver until like two years after high school. So didn't really <laughs> count. It still counts. Yeah. All right, thanks. Uh, all right, so let's talk about the transition to uh, college. So you played at Rowan, right? That's right. So can you talk about like what the recruiting process was like, and like if you always knew that you wanted to play college football, and then like what the differences were between the high school game and the college game?
1: Well, I did always know that I wanted to play football and I'll tell you what it, the recruiting process was a lot of fun being from a small high school and actually mostly only getting looked at by smaller, you know, D2 and D3 schools. It was still a great feeling getting pulled out of class because a coach is there. You right, feel pretty right. special when, you know, a guy comes in and you get called to the office and you think you're in trouble and you're actually getting <laughs> recruited to a, to yeah, play yeah, football yeah. in college. It was a, it was a good feeling. And um Going on college visits was a lot of fun, too. You know, they treat you like royalty. They want to kind of schmooze you a little bit and get you to go to their school. I mean, it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I might try to preach a little too much here, but you know how they say that uh, not many athletes become professional athletes right. and almost everyone's going to become a pro in something else? Other than sports. Exactly. Yeah. Well, 99% of us. Well, yeah. that's true. And. I was the first athlete in my family, so it was new for my parents, too. Maybe if I had better guidance, things would have been different because I chose Rowan, and I don't regret it at all. I actually loved that school, and I loved my four years there. But the coaches told me I had a good chance of starting really early, and I did look at a couple other schools. I was um, recruited by Rutgers, Georgetown, when they had a a good program. and they were the Georgetown football program for a year when I was in grad school. Yeah, you know, and the great program, but better school, right? More than anything, and they shot me straight. They said, "Listen, we've got guys. We have two defensive ends, which is what I wanted to play in college. I want right. to play defensive line." And they said, "Look, they're good. They're juniors. If you come here, you're riding the pine for at least two years, right? And then you'll get your shot." And seventeen-year-old kid, I've you know was Coming always off a the starter. state championship, yeah. yeah. You know, I was pretty good. I've always been the starting guy my whole life. I was like, that doesn't sound like fun. And Rowan pretty much sold me. They said, "Listen, you could come and make an impact right away." I was like, "Sign me up."
0: Yeah. That's and cool. Hindsight's um, twenty twenty, though. You know, I ended <laughs> exactly. up
1: getting injured, and who knows? I could have rolled out with a Georgetown education. Nothing against Rowan education; it's a great school too. But right,
0: yeah, it's interesting that you you said that too. Like you, you didn't have that experience and stuff like that. Like your parents, you know, weren't aware of the whole process. What was like your favorite trip that you went on recruiting trip? Was it Rowan or? It actually wasn't. It was actually Pace University, which I had no intention of
1: going on, but those guys showed me a really good time.
0: Can you give us like a PG-13 version of
1: it? We drank tons of soda. <laughs> um, I used identification that wasn't mine to get into a adult soda club. McLovin. Yeah, I was basically <laughs> McLovin that night because um, I am, as you can tell, a Caucasian, and there was an African-American guy on the ID, and they still let me in the bar. Nice. So it was like a it was a joke. Like I had a lot of fun there. I'm like, this place is pretty cool. They're pretty loose here. But I was like, yeah. Uh, I don't think I'm going to come here.
0: <laughs> because of that? Like, because you wanted a more, like, structured group of guys to hang out, like, hang out with? Or? Yeah,
1: you know what? They, they seemed like football was one of the last priorities, okay. and I actually didn't like that.
0: But it was a fun visit. All right, cool. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about the college game versus the high school game in terms of, like, speed. Like, how, did you, how were you able to adjust? Well, uh, the easiest adjustment I made was because of practice
1: we practiced ones against ones. Um, well, my first year I actually did red shirt and that was an amazing opportunity. I, it was a little disappointing at first, but they gave me the option to start, um, some of the games and be in a rotation. But they also said, you know, it's your, your choice. You can red shirt if you want to, and then you're guaranteed next year. And I chose to red shirt because I really wanted to get my full, uh, four years of starting in. Plus I was, um, taking five, sometimes six classes oh, wow. a, yeah, a semester. And um, I had a little too much fun my first semester, and there was a class I needed to take over, and I said, you know what, <laughs> I'll have that extra half semester if I redshirt to play my senior year of football and take any classes I need to right. improve in or extra classes if I want more credit. So I went that route. What but, class um, was it? Well, okay, you got me in a bind now. It was two <laughs> it was uh, uh, accounting and finance.
0: Oh, those are two tough well, I ones, I guess though. I'm not a numbers guy. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny.
1: But um, the, the practicing against these guys on the scout team, going against the ones when we would do scout team defense was incredible because I was running up against guys, I've, like, bigger guys than I've ever played against, stronger guys than I've ever played against. I mean, they were, at like, monsters. Right. I remember my freshman year, I kid you not, they averaged 6'4", 330 across the offensive line. And you had to try to get through that? So it made me so much better just getting beat up every day. And I just never gave up against these guys. And it was cool. I actually got some good friendships out of it because the seniors kind of took me under their wing because I was feisty. Yeah,
0: yeah. Cool. Um, That's actually interesting that you say that because a lot of the athletes that have come on the podcast have talked about, you know, a lot of high level athletes, they weren't always the best player on their team. But because they, you know, were constantly the bar was raised by these high-caliber athletes that they got way better, you know, in the process. So that seems to be, like, a good message to kids. Like, although you might not be the best on the team, you might not even be starting, you know, you're getting better, like, just by giving it your all and, like, making practice your game, right? 100%. Just giving your 100%. All right. So uh, what was the – what would you say the best experiences for you were – I don't know how I really said that, but what was the best experience that had you had at yeah, at Rowan?
1: Best experience at Rowan was probably making it to the national semifinals twice in a row and just getting to play like you just said against some of the best competition there was in D3. And you know, and also I can't just say those games themselves, but that ride of getting there. And again, it always comes down to my fondest memories were the bond with your teammates which i got to tell you, it, it got stronger. I was fortunate to play for winning teams almost my whole life, and I can't really compare it. to I don't know. I've, I've seen that there's more dysfunction on teams that have poor records because they're all trying to figure it out, and then people start pointing the fingers, and then that causes some locker room turmoil, and I was lucky never to have that. So we actually, as we were a good team and we kept racking up the wins, we just got closer and closer and tighter as a unit. So I would say you know, that ride of going to, you know, almost making it to the finals, traveling across the country to play in the semifinals. It was a cool experience. You know, you feel kind of like a pro, right? Who did
0: you guys play in the semifinals?
1: We played Linfield and
0: they're out in Oregon. So that was kind of, the, you know, taking did a couple days off there? school.
1: Yeah. We got all expenses
0: paid. Damn, got to fly okay. out to
1: Oregon. That's legit. Yeah. Um, they were really good. Actually. They, yeah. they whooped us pretty good. Yeah. Uh, and we were, we were embarrassing teams in the playoffs and in the regular season all the way there. So that was a rude awakening for us. And, um, they ended up winning the national championship, so that was – At least, least, yeah, you went down we to, the to the national championship,
0: yeah. Um, isn't it not like Wisconsin Whitewater? They're always like the ones who are in the D3 national championship. They're in there
1: all the time. The one that's known most for it is Mount Union, yeah, actually. Yeah, Mount Union, right. Yeah, but Whitewater is really good. They're, they're there a lot.
0: Cool. So let's talk about your injury that you mentioned before and your, your first time that you were injured in, in college and when that happened.
1: So that was, uh, let's see, it was our, either our fifth or sixth game of the season, and we were playing at Kane University. Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's some, what's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Bad blood? Uh, not even so much bad blood. We had bad blood with every team. Okay. Every team in the conference hated <laughs> us because we were always really good. Um, they, let's call it a little bit of a controversy Okay. because we were ahead and it was late in the game And a lot of the parents and fans and even some of the other players were furious when I got hurt because they said I shouldn't have been in the game. Right. four-year starter. Right, right. And, you know, the game was kind of locked up. Yeah, Yeah, we had a couple touchdown
0: lead, maybe two minutes left, and that's when it happened. So Um, can you talk about, like, what the mechanism of injury was and what thoughts were kind of going through your head at at that point in time? Yeah, I
1: remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I was a left defensive end. I beat my man um, with a little swim and rip, came around pretty fast around the corner, and a quarterback stepped up in the pocket. I kind of lunged at him, got my hands on his back, and planted my foot. And just at that moment, our other defensive end, who was also, I mean, he was a total stud. He was really good. He came flying around his man, dove at the quarterback, but actually just caught my, my knee right on the side. And that's when I knew I was injured because I'd been, you know, like I said, everyone gets banged up out there, but that was a different feeling.
0: So what? Explain that different feeling. Like, what was it that – did you see, like, your knee, like, Didn't bent see in anything. Way? I was still hands on
1: the quarterback, just not even thinking. You know, you're just reacting at that point. There's right. really not much of a thought process that I can remember. But the feeling was an excruciating pain in my knee, and then it kind of went numb, and it felt like it was on fire. I would say from the knee down, I don't know if that was, like, the nerve damage or – or what it was, but it felt like it was real, like extreme heat, almost like it was on fire.
0: Right. So, what was going through your head at that point in time? Like,
1: oh man, a lot of emotions. I was just uh, blown away. You know, I'd never felt anything like that before, and it was more. You know, that was probably the first time I shed a couple of tears on the football field, and it was not because of the pain. It was because I knew that my season was over. over right? I knew it right
0: then. It's a terrible feeling. Um, I know. Th- I know the feeling. Yeah. But. So what was the process like after that? Like, was the athletic trainer the one that kind of, like, diagnosed you? And, like, what was the next steps? And then, like, when would you start your recovery rehab? and
1: Yep, that was um, – so I uh, tried – I remember getting up with my help from a couple teammates, and I tried to take a step on that leg, and it actually just kind of spilled out from under me. I almost fell. Then I hopped off with help from my teammates, and I'll never forget it. I laid on the table, and um, my trainer, his name is Chuck Whedon, just a super guy, Um you know, we'd known each other pretty well over four years. He did the basic, you know, test ACL, MCL test, and I remember he he gave it a tug and he shook his head, and then he did the MCL test where he held my thigh and swung the knee out, and it just opened up like a gate. And he actually started to cry. That's when I knew that I was oh. I was really done. I thought there might have been hope, but when he he, you
0: know, showed some emotion, I knew that it was over. Damn, I just got like not chills, but. I got over one run with emotion. I like I feel like I was right there. Um I'm sorry that you went through that, but what was it like kind of watching your team play after that knowing that you couldn't come on the field again? Like did you, were you still involved? At, like did you go to oh, practice? Yeah. Did so how did that feel watching your team when you go your whole life never being hurt and now all of a sudden in your senior year when this is supposed to be like your time, right? Like you you know, you're you're on the sideline.
1: It was really, really tough. So I still stayed I mean I was captain of the team, so it was, you know, my duty, even though I, I went through a little bit of a depression, I would say, kind of athletic depression, you know, nothing serious where I considered anything crazy, but like it was it was really upsetting to me just having that, you know, my favorite thing to do was taken away from me just in an instant. Right. So it was difficult, you know, I, I worked with a great training staff, so I was rehabbing. I had a surgery scheduled on the docket. And, um, I would still go after school to practice every day. I'd spend more time with the trainers though, than out on the field. And I'd be out there trying to encourage everybody and, uh, just kind of stay as involved as I could as a captain. But, um, I do remember, you know, this is when I started to have some uneasy feelings. It was uh, the first game. It was home against Montclair, my first game that I didn't start in a really long time. And, um, they moved um, one of the linebackers. His name was Randy Tosh, another great player. We had a hell of a team. So everybody, <laughs> I keep saying everyone's a great player. They really were. And he went down uh, in a two-point because he was used to that as a linebacker. And he filled in for me a defensive end. And uh, he had five sacks. And, oh, I, and sh- I was so happy for him. But at the same time, I was just thinking, wow, what could I have done, done Yeah, if I was down there? Would I have had five sacks? Or is, it, is this trying to tell me something? Is this right. just the luck of the draw? But, you know. I almost had to smack myself in the face because I felt uh, almost a little bit of jealousy towards him. And I remember that feeling and I remember questioning myself like, well, how could you, you know, don't, that's your teammate, that's your friend. Right. You know, he's doing a great job. You should just love him for that and and be happy for him. Right. But I kept thinking, man, I should have been out there. That should have been me. I would have had 10 sacks, you know. Right.
0: I mean, I think that's just being an athlete and being a, you know, a competitor. And I, I had the same feelings too, like, when, after I had my head injury, we sucked. Like, the whole entire time I was on varsity, the three years, we were terrible. Like, the worst Coach Henley's, like, the worst of Coach Henley's teams that he's ever had. And then the following season, all the same guys, pretty much, except for me, they, like, freaking kill it. They make it, they go to, like, the state semis. I'm like, dude, like, what the? was? It was it me. Was, it must have been me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, I'm such an asshole. Well, like, yeah, I, like, hated myself. But I I know that's a that's a tough feeling. So what would you say your was that your lowest moment like after the injury or I think yeah the injury was definitely the lowest moment
1: and and, and man, I'm just going to make this a depressing podcast because that that game was the first game of that season my grandparents were able to make it to. So I had my whole family there watching and that's when I got hurt. Oh. So that was hands down the lowest point. And the rest, you know, watching other guys out there and watching the team without me was tough just because I knew I belonged out there. But it was also good because it made me stronger
0: right. What advice would you give the athletes who and like come up with a similar situation like a, a season ending injury or a career ending injury? Not only because they can do
1: amazing things now that they couldn't do back then and the surgeries and the techniques and the rehab is getting so much better, not just because of that but just because even then I did it. It's never give up. never give up. always support your team. And work as hard as you can because I ended up taking a year off to rehab and then I played football again after that. So
0: anything's possible. Right. Always be prepared for, you know, the next opportunity. Exactly. That's cool. Never stop working. So, all right, so let's talk about your, so that was the end of your, your college football career, right? That's right. Okay. So, and like you said, you, you kind of felt like it was like taken away from you. And that's kind, of, that's kind of why I think it was so hard for me with my transition to kind of like a life after football was because I felt like it wasn't like it was senior night and, like, I played my last game and that was it. Right, it was right like, off into the sunset. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was like I woke up that morning not thinking that I was going to never play again. And when it didn't, I was like, well, that's now, yeah, now what? Now what? Exactly. So let's talk about your transition to um, – arena football. And like, how did you get approached for that? Did you go to like a combine? What was, how did that work? And also how was the knee rehab going? Like how long did that take to kind of get back to your, your playing self? So that took a long time. That was, um, a long
1: process. I ended up that injury was pretty bad. I tore my ACL, MCL, PCL, and my medial and lateral meniscus Jeez. on my left knee. So it was pretty much
0: like Everything. When you
1: say blowing a knee out, I think I did that. I yeah. think I blew the knee out. That was a, a wipeout. So, you know, the average ACL, I mean, you could, depending on how hard you work and how your body responds to the, the training and the therapy, you could be back six to eight months, even though I think that's a little early. But for me, it took an entire year plus. It was, I think it was about 14 months before I really trusted it again and that okay. vulnerability was gone. So I worked um, part-time with my father, who owns his own business. He's an electrician. So I was doing work with him on the side and really that was kind of my number 2 priority and training and rehab was number 1. Right. I really thought that I was done playing football. So after about a half a year when I was you know mobile again still not 100% but you know the knee was good I could walk I went and took a job at a mortgage company and I've tried to live you know a regular or normal the corporate uh, life, life. Yeah. yeah exactly. So I was working there and it actually wasn't a bad gig because I was still I was still struggling with the knee and i would just go into work sit in my little cubicle and sit in my chair and i'm making phone calls and i did pretty well at that so it felt good to get out there and excel in something again but as i started to heal and really get better and then the rehab kind of turned into training and i was running again and my knee felt strong again i said you know what maybe i can give this another shot i got myself and a few other players on my college team we're lucky enough to um i wouldn't say we were getting recruited but there were NFL teams that showed interest in us, apparently. Um, I don't even know if this website's still around, but um, two guys and myself were on a, a list called, it was a D, or sorry, ESPN360.com. Okay. And we were prospects. Okay. So it was really cool. I never expected anything like that. Just to be even be mentioned, noticed yeah, or yeah, yeah. mentioned, it's like, wow, an NFL team even knows who we are. Well, yeah. It was mind blowing. Yeah. Um, so I um, got an agent through um, a buddy of mine who was trying out with the jets. He actually went with the jets and he was there with training camp, uh, for, for training camp, ended up tearing his hamstring in camp. So they cut him. Right. But anyway, I reached out to him, got hooked up with an agent and then, um, he's the one who got me involved in these combines. Okay. So when I was ready to, you know, perform again, I did a, um, a regional combine and you have to you know, aside from showing your on-the-field skills, it's the basic combine stuff. Your bench press, your vertical jump, your broad jump, your 40-yard dash, your cone shuttle drill, and three-cone drill for linemen. And um, what you do is if you score high enough, which I think is an 8.5 out of 10 or higher, you get invited to an um, elite combine. And then I went to that, which was, was fun. That what was, were uh, some of your numbers? Uh, the vertical jump was 42 inches. That, was one, th- that was one of the standout ones. Um, my best bench press was 225 for 36 reps. What? Yeah, well, you got to remember, this was like my, I was treating it like my full time job. Yeah. So I was just training nonstop. Um, broad jump was good. Broad jump was like a 10 8. Um, that is
0: like NFL combine status. What was your 40? 40 was uh, 465, was my best.
1: Also, really good. Yeah, and I was pretty big at this stage, too. Right. I got up to the like end, 255. Yeah. yeah, that was tough, though. So here's a mistake I made, too. I went to the regional combine. And how they grade you is there's different grades based on what position you are. And for me, I was 6'2", 245 pounds or so. That actually right off the bat gives you a lower grade as a defensive end because what NFL defensive ends, they're looking for guys that are six five, right, you know, two sixty, two seventy, maybe even two eighty, depending on you know, your your size and they want big hands. I don't have really big hands, like all these little things. It's got a big heart though. That's uh, huge. <laughs> but so I made the mistake of uh, trying out as an inside linebacker because my size Body type. fit it perfectly. Right. And I figured, ooh, even my scores, I'm like, I'll probably bench press better than these linebackers. Maybe I won't be able to cover as well or maybe I'm not as fast, but I thought I was looking at it from a statistical standpoint when I should have just went out there and stuck my hand in the dirt and just done what a defensive end does, what I've done my oh, whole yeah, life. exactly, yeah. What I'm more comfortable in. So I actually think – I might have gotten some poorer grades on, you know, the coverage technique and your first step and your uh, zone reads because and stuff that like that you, that I yeah. really just hadn't done a lot of.
0: Right. So
1: another rookie mistake. Right. Well,
0: I mean, you learn, I
1: guess. And anyway, yeah. long story short, that's how I got hooked up with the arena team. So there were a couple teams, NFL teams. My agent told me that they showed interest. It was actually Kansas City and Oakland were the only two that said, we liked what we saw. We like his size. He's got some potential. But those guys do their homework. They knew that I had been hurt pretty bad. Right. And they said, we're not going to take a chance on not just him, but anybody who's had an injury that serious who we haven't seen play right. again. Right, since then, yeah. So they said, listen, get him on one of these arena teams. Let him run around and play. And each week, send us the film. If we like what we see, maybe we'll pull Pick him up. out. up, yeah. And I didn't realize it until I got there. That is what every single player in arena football is doing. Right. No one wants to be there. Right. Everyone is trying to play at a higher level. They're just trying to showcase, get film, and then get picked up by you know, either maybe CFL or NFL where
0: they can make some money. Right. Um, before we get into arena football, what was the point where you started to gain confidence in yourself, like cutting and stuff like that? Like you, you were confident in your knee again. Like, wh- what was the mental battle like with that um, in the recovery process?
1: It was tough that the mental battle, I got to say, was harder than the physical battle because even when the knee was quote unquote healed, I was still I still felt very vulnerable. I wasn't sure, you know, if it was even though it felt good, I always thought, well, what if it just happens again? Like right. how how do I know it won't happen again? Right.
0: What kind so, of drills did you do that like reinforced to yourself that you were okay?
1: So a lot a lot of lateral movement, a lot of hard cutting drills. A lot of, you know, shuffling, getting down, getting low, you know, touching the cones, back and forth, really running. a lot. You know, what helped me actually is a lot of the combine drills because it's a lot of stop and go, right. a lot of turning, you know, running the three-cone drill, the short shuttle drill. So that's, for my injury specifically, that was some of the hardest, uh, hardest drills to really have confidence in and help me overcome that fear that I had that I might injure it again or it's not ready. Right. It's the, the hard stop and go, the hard cutting. Um I think what what other thing that helped me was getting into playing basketball again with my friends cuz that was actually one of the top 3 no-nos my surgeon said. He's like don't ski anymore, don't play basketball and don't play tennis. Like I was ever? Like, yeah, he's like well just yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he's yeah. like this is you're just going to be better off. He's like that knee's going to last longer and and heal better and and just, you know. It'll be a better knee so you if say you don't s- play ball. So you just
0: screw it, I'm playing basketball? Or yeah,
1: tennis wasn't an issue. I never really played tennis anyway. <laughs> um, but basketball was always, like I told you, I, I stopped playing it when I was young. But I played basketball um, for fun my entire life, all through college, even though college coaches did not like when you played basketball for fun because you right. could get hurt. But it was one of the like my favorite sport to play for recreation.
0: Cool. All right, so now let's talk about your arena football career and then I guess the subsequent... Second knee injury?
1: Yes. All that talk about how strong it was and how confident I was. Right. And, uh, so, you know, the biggest difference, I think, between arena football, which I just kind of touched on as compared to, say, college or even high school, was that camaraderie with your buddies. Meaning it wasn't there? It wasn't there, not as much. Like, I still have a few friendships from arena football that will last a lifetime, and I still stay in touch with those guys. But that's just because we happen to be paired together, we live together, It was the outside the field friendship. It really was I wouldn't say like a divided locker room, but it just was there was not a brotherhood like there was in college and in high school because everybody was there for themselves hoping it was gonna be their week where they get pulled out of there and they move on to something better. Right. So it was a different dynamic for sure.
0: What what were like what's the difference in the rules between arena football and traditional American style football? A lot of differences. First of all, the field is literally half the size.
1: It's it's very narrow and it's only 50 yards long, which I did not like. And also, as a defensive guy, another uh, issue I had with the game was that it was it was really for the fans. It was designed to be a high-scoring, you know, very exciting game. Right. So sacks were hard to come by it's a lot of three step and get rid of the ball three step and get rid of the ball because i mean you think about it there's not many seven or five step drops because these guys would run right off the field there wasn't that much room so it was a a, a scoring league designed for scoring so it was pretty tough as a defensive guy to really shine out there and i really didn't like that because i liked full field i liked actually i like playing outdoors on field turf and grass i like tracking down quarterbacks and and getting messy but
0: right what was it about being inside in an arena that made it different in a way that you didn't like it was there big crowds or not really
1: the crowds were pretty pretty big but i think the crowds it almost was a
0: reflection of the team itself the crowds
1: were there to to drink beers and get rowdy i mean they did root for the team but i feel like their heart wasn't in it like like you know as a student of a school you just live and breathe and bleed your team's colors you actually care about the team right same thing in high school like there's actual the heart's really in it whereas there the fans are there to have fun and the players are there to, to get noticed and move on.
0: Right. All right. Um, would you say that arena football is more dangerous, the same in terms of safety, or safer than traditional football? You know, I,
1: I think that arena is probably. I don't think there's that much of a discrepancy between the, the, the risk of injury. I okay. feel like it's always there. Yeah, with football, it's always there. And, and the, not just football, like any sport. Like you can get yeah, hurt doing th- anything. You but. can get hurt. There's. You know, non-contact injuries. Exactly. There's you yeah. know, the same concussion yeah. risk. I don't think it's more more intense. It seems like it's faster, but I think that's only because it's smaller. And the whole, I think it's just a facade that there's injuries with you know you can hit guys over the wall right. and bounce off the wall. They're padded walls. Like it's not gonna. I don't think that causes that many injuries. Probably just as many injuries as there are with guys scooting off the sidelines and hitting Running a bench. A bench. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. So.
0: All right, and do they do anything in terms of health and safety? Like, do they have, you know, athletic trainers? Do they have, you know, what kind of, like, emergency management do they have? And, like, in, did they make any rules that make the game safer? Like, you know, how the NFL, like, pushed the uh, kickoffs back? and Yeah, you know, well, most of the rule changes
1: were after my career was over. So okay. I'm, not, I'm not really sure if they had any rule changes. And I was also... Not only was it only one season for me, but like we're about to probably touch on, it was a short season for me. So okay. I actually didn't even get a chance to really divulge into the subtle nuances of the game. I was really, like everybody else, I mean, I'm guilty of it as well. I was there to try to move on somewhere else. So I didn't really maybe study the game as much as I normally would.
0: Right. All right. Well, you said it. Let's uh, let's talk <laughs> about the, the second knee injury. So um, this was, geez, it was only my
1: fifth game. In arena, and um, I was actually coming off a big game. I was really hoping that that was the week I was going to get out of there because the two previous weeks I had had a couple sacks, uh, I had an interception return for a touchdown. Oh, like okay. you know, Pick I was working, six. yeah, working on my Did highlight you high reel. step
0: it in the, into the end zone. Or?
1: I didn't. It was a pretty short trip to the end zone. Okay. It was a. Uh, one of our big interior defensive linemen batted a ball, and I ran up underneath it, scooped it up pretty close before it came to the ground. Okay. It was kind of—I got to give myself a little credit there. It was a nice little scoop, nice catch, and then I was practically stumbled right into the end zone. All right, cool. I did do a touchdown dance, which you are allowed to do in an arena, so I had to take advantage of that. Cool. What was your touchdown dance? I made it rain. <laughs> kind of trickled down like this, and then yeah, it was a half a touchdown dance because the guys jump all over you. I didn't get to finish. That was but awesome. I was. It was more fun to celebrate with my teammates. I got to say than to do a touchdown dance. I think
0: every kid dreams of doing a, a touchdown dance at some point in their life. Yeah,
1: I think it's overrated. The, yeah. b- the better part was just bouncing around, jumping in <laughs> with my teammates. All right, cool. Um, so when did you get the the injury? So it was actually the following Tuesday practice after that, that game. F- yep. It was during one-on-ones with um, our offensive line, and there was a, a big boy out of LSU was a good guy. Um, I remember I had gone up against him a couple times before, and I was pretty sure I had him set up. I did a couple bull rushes, and then my my plan was to do a little fake rip inside, and I was going to spin around him. So. I, uh, I stepped and planted with my left knee or with my left leg, which is the same knee I had injured in the past. Yep. And I threw a rip that way, and then I pivoted real quick to go around the other side. And just him pushing on me and doing a little blocking combined with my foot planted in the turf and, and my rotation, it must have been a horrible combination. And it was nothing like my first injury. I heard a little pop, my knee buckled, and there was little to no pain. And then I remember just kind of kicking my leg out and shaking it out, going, you know, I, he helped me up. And he was like, hey, what, what the hell happened, man? Are you okay? And I was like, I I think so. And I kind of walked it off, and I went through the rest of practice. It started to swell up a little bit. And I kind of wrote it off. I went through the next two practices, and it was starting to nag me. And I thought, man, maybe it was more than just a little, right. you know, I attributed it to, like, oh, that's that's that bum Scholar knee that I heard. Yeah, maybe yeah. I just, you know, a little pop. That's no big deal. And it turned out I actually had completely torn the ACL
0: on that knee again. But the other ligaments were still intact. Yes.
1: Damn. But it was enough to end that season, and that was
0: what made the decision easy for me to then end my career. So what was going through your head at that point in time when, like, the the dream is over and it was once again, like, you worked yourself back, you know, to – Performing at like an elite level, and then just like that, it's it's all gone.
1: You know, believe it or not, that one was actually easier to accept. I almost felt like it was a sign. Right. It was, it was like after weren't. possibly my, you know, probably was my best game in arena. You know, I gave it my all. I after what I went through the first time, you know, working that hard to come back and then getting the shot, and then it happened again. I said, you know what, like I can I can read between the lines here. I'm just gonna hang him up and. And Call it a career and it really there wasn't any regret that time. No. You know, it wasn't the same kind of emotion that was tied to
0: the first injury You think that was because of the camaraderie and stuff and that you didn't have with this team You or? know what?
1: I never thought about it But I bet you that did have quite a bit to do with it. It was just It was easier to walk away from that environment from that team um, than it was to uh, call my career over, you know, with my brothers, you know, halfway through my senior year of college. It was just a, a different story.
0: Right. All right, so let's talk about maybe some of the supposed concussions that you might have had throughout your career. You said you are pre- relatively injury-free other than the knee injuries, right? Yeah. Um, so because this he- podcast is called Heads and Tails, I always like to throw a little uh, heads conversation in there. Oh, for sure. Um, because of my head injury. So was there ever – were you ever diagnosed with a concussion, or did you ever, like, knowing what you know now about what a concussion is, like, how many do you think that you had throughout your your career?
1: So, um, there definitely was at least one instance where, knowing what I know now, I'm almost positive I got a concussion, and it may have been a, a pretty severe one. Um, well, maybe it wasn't that bad, because I can remember it, so that's a good thing, right? I remember when it happened. <laughs> hey,
0: I remembered everything from when I had my first concussion, and... Okay, scratch that. Yeah,
1: it was definitely a concussion. Yeah. <laughs> so, this was sophomore year of high school. Okay. Um, there may have been more along the way, maybe minor, but uh, nothing I can recall. So this may have been uh, maybe I'm fortunate that this was my only one. But I was once again on scout team as yeah. a sophomore, <laughs> and I was on kickoff return, and lucky me, I was setting
0: the wedge. And uh, oh, the wedge is the worst. That was bad. Like. Being the wedge buster as bad as it is, but being in the wedge is by far the worst. Yeah, being the wedge
1: creator is even worse because you get busted. Yeah. So I ran back my like twenty five yards or so, put my arm up. The guys like just like the flying V of Gordon Bombay. They were at <laughs> my sides. I put my Ducks head down, together. started running forward, and here comes, you know, six foot five, two hundred sixty pounds senior who um was also the kicker. He kicks the ball and runs down oh to the my wedge. God. That's just high That's school course. for you. Yeah, exactly. So he boots it and he came down and put his head down. And the crown of his helmet met the crown of mine. And then I remember just everything went black. I hit the deck. Um, I came to, it was probably, I mean, maybe it was only a second or two, but I remember literally blacking out. And then I stood up and wobbled off to the sideline. And then uh, when I looked around, I was all by myself. I'd went to the other sideline. The entire team <laughs> was on the near sideline. I was on the far sideline. I just took a knee. And then, um, coach ran up to me. So you okay? And of course, I was like, Yeah, I'm fine. I just, you know, just got hit. You know, that was that was a big hit. <laughs> and he's like, Ah, oh, yeah, you know, you got your bell rung. And then, that's what we called it back then: getting your it, bell rung. It's
0: true. What what year was that? Sophomore year. That was uh, 1999. 1999. Yeah. So like, around that time, like even when I was playing football too, no one talked about concussions. Like it was never it was no, never anything like I can't even tell you how many times I had instances like that also in the wedge um where like yeah you either black out you see stars or like I used to get this thing where I would if I if I made a tackle sometimes I would have like double vision for like 10 seconds and I always thought that it was like my helmet like yeah. kind of coming down over my eyes I'm like that was like concussion every single time yeah, like we that's didn't know happened any better. like at least 10 times that's not good yeah
1: <laughs> and but we really I don't know if it was just us, but I don't think anybody knew any better
0: back exactly, then, at least yeah. at that level. Yeah, and I, I never want to, like, rag on coaches that I've had before. Like, it's so much different now than it was when we were playing. And, like, I don't know. It's – I don't know. I don't I – don't, I don't want to blame it on anyone other no, than I, yeah, it's, it's like no one's it's the sport, and like it's it, just the
1: evolution of the sport. Exactly. It's just what we it's, know now compared to yeah, what we it, knew then, and it, that's
0: coaches included, right? And I think it's definitely making a step in the right direction now. You know, I don't know. Like, do you think that there's anything that could be done to make football safer? And like, I don't. I personally don't think that there really is, because the essence of the game is to hit people, it's violence. Yeah,
1: it really is. So I mean, there's small steps they can take which maybe will, you know, decrease percentages of injury. I mean, there's things that they can do to kind of, I want to say, you know, shave the numbers a little bit, but it's always going to be a violent sport. And the day that it's not, I don't think it's football anymore. I don't think it's popular anymore. Exactly.
0: And do you 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 regret playing football in your career with all the stuff that's coming out with CTE and all this stuff? I
1: don't. I think, well, part of it is I'm very lucky to, at least I don't think I had that many concussions. So I hope... I'm not a candidate for CTE right. in the future because I maybe it's attributed to some of my personal choices. I actually, knowing nothing about concussions my football career, I always had uh, a fear of injuring my neck. So I was very conscious of how I tackled and where I put where my you put head. Your head yeah. Not and I wasn't thinking about my brain whatsoever. I was actually thinking about my neck. That was like a little phobia I had. So maybe that in itself well, you know, protected my head, right? you
0: know, kind of by default. It's just it's interesting you said that because when I was, I think, in, like, fifth grade, that was the national championship when Milt, Wills McGahee towards ACL. Like oh, my real gosh. Bad.
1: Yeah, it went backwards. I remember that. Yeah,
0: so every – Ever, ever like after that all I thought about was protecting my knees I'm like I didn't think about anything else right. like all I cared about was that my knees were okay and it turns out my brain explodes when I'm a senior so
1: yeah look at look at me you can get a
0: new knee just like that yeah the brain you gotta you only get one of those exactly and that's what people need to remember I think like what kind of injuries did you play through was there anything in addition to i mean with the knee like you couldn't play but you i'm sure right. you were banged up at some points in oh, time man
1: i got stitches i remember i got stitches on tommy campion's kitchen table luckily his dad was a surgeon i mean okay. i got cut open pretty bad in high school i got some more stitches as a uh, you know as a college athlete i broke my finger which i never really got fixed i just kind of they you know you tape it up to the next one like little things like that that just kind of go under the radar i wouldn't even call them injuries that's just playing football but
0: like fingers hands You know, things like that. Right. And I think uh, like a part of the culture of toughness and kind of playing through injuries, I think that's what led to my – my the severity of my head injury at least because I had the two shoulder – I had like two shoulder injuries and I had nothing else to hit with but my head. Is JR back here? He's mooning us. (laughs) (laughs) That's our boss. My boss. (laughs) (laughs) And my physical therapist (laughs) from my first uh, knee injury. That's how we're all connected. Exactly. Um, But, yeah, anyway, there's definitely some room for improvement in football, but at the same time, that is what the sport is. And, like, I don't regret anything. I don't regret playing. I just wish that I had said something when my head hurt, and I think it would have been a lot better. Well, I'm with you there. I
1: have no (laughs) regrets. And and that's where I actually defended my coaches, just going back quickly to my first injury because – Maybe we were up and maybe starters should have been out. But if you were to ask me, I would have been in the coach's ear, get me in this game right now. Like, why am I on the side? So there was nowhere I'd rather be when I got hurt except on the field. So I
0: have no regrets. Exactly. Actually, like someone recently asked me if I thought my coaches – like if my coaches felt bad that what happened to me happened because they didn't know about my concussion. I'm like – they shouldn't feel bad because it was all me. Like I'm the one who made the decision to not say something when my head was hurting me. Like that's completely on me, not on anyone else. And I think to make sports safer, athletes have to be okay with saying when they're hurt. I think that's like priority number one. Right. And building a culture that's like okay with that is, is key obviously, but hopefully we'll, yeah, it's more
1: detrimental to the team to hide an injury than it is to speak up about it. I mean, that has nothing to do with your toughness. I mean, that's just – now we know that's common sense. But back then, you're right. There was that persona that everyone wanted to be the tough guy. Like, oh, yeah, that broke my finger last game. No big deal. I didn't say anything. Just taped it up. Or yeah. or, yeah, man, I was seeing stars, but it didn't matter. I still stayed the next play made the tackle. I mean, but that's – now we're realizing that that doesn't necessarily make you tough. It actually makes you stupid. <laughs>
0: exactly, yeah. So hopefully people start learning that. Okay, so what was your transition to life after football like When after that second knee injury? And did you go back to working for the mortgage company? or? So,
1: no, that's actually where uh, another tie-in to your, your work colleague and your boss and my friend, Jr. I started, well, I had to start all over again with rehab. This time it was just the ACL, but still, I mean, it was not quite as severe of an injury, but certainly still severe enough to, to take away almost another year of your life because... After surgery, you're starting from square one. You're, you, you know, the knee is atrophied, and you have to rehab, and you have to, like I said, start over. Right. What so, was going
0: through your head at that point in time? You know, that was
1: just a, you know, more of a realization at that point because that's when I decided that it was over. I think the first time I always had an inkling like, you know what, if this, if this heals, I could still play. I'm still young. I can still play. But now, you know, I'm a 25-year-old. You know, the, the, the playing days are over. By the time I was done rehabbing, I would be 26. So it was time to say goodbye to uh, football, and I was okay with that. But then it was just figuring out life in general. It's like, well, now what do I want to do? Because, I, you know, all I knew myself as was a football player. I mean, I did all right in college. I went to school for business, and I learned quite a bit, but I was a football player. Right. So I now felt the same way. Yeah. I wasn't a football player anymore. Now I was former football player with, uh, you know, a, a new challenge in front of him. So... I accepted the challenge and I did know that I loved athletics and I love sports like all athletes do. So the first opportunity that came my way was to start working at the gym and rehab facility where I was rehabbing. Lucky I had a friend there who said, listen, you know, as soon as you get off those crutches, we would love to have someone with your experience train young athletes. And that's exactly what I did. So I started working there and I fell in love with it and I worked
0: there for seven years. Wow. So did you, like, based off of, like, going through your rehab and stuff like that, did you, like, what kind of things did you do with your young athletes that you trained to kind of, like, prevent injuries or, you know, what makes them a uh, well-rounded athlete?
1: So that was actually our number one focus. That's, and, you know, through my experience, I realized that training was only one piece of the puzzle and injury prevention was another piece. And that's what we tried to instill. So I... Unlike my uh, training as a young athlete in high school, like we talked about, where... The ABC workout. Exactly. From the ABC workout to even a structured workout with, with with a trainer and a professional, it was the emphasis was on correct form, proper form, building muscle correctly, and setting yourself up so that you don't put too much strain on your joints and you're just building muscle safely. And, you know, when you get kids doing things the right way at a young age, I mean, they take that with them forever. And they're probably going to be better off and safer as they get older.
0: Is there anything specifically that you do with your athletes? Um, Any particular exercises or, like, what common things, like, what common deficiencies do you see in an athlete's, like, movement that you tend to target? Well, so most young athletes...
1: Um, some have a uh, great form and some don't. And, but even the ones that do have great form, they're not doing it on purpose. They don't know that they have it. So it's just that repetition, letting them know what's correct. Like for instance, just because we were focusing on injury prevention, it didn't mean that we were going to cut out certain workouts or certain lifts. Like we still did deadlifts. We do squats. We do all these important lifts, but we make sure that we do them the right way. Like sitting back in your heels, not letting your knees cross your toes, making sure that your muscles are doing all the work and your joints are stress-free. So you're not – because, honestly, a young kid – I mean, you see little kids. They can land on their head. They bounce back up. It's like they're – like I thought I was, indestructible. Right. But it takes a toll on you over time, and you could start to damage yourself. So doing things the right way from the beginning are going to set these guys
0: up for success. Awesome. Um, So what injuries did you have outside of football? Like after your career, did you? you had one more. I, I did have one more. I'll tell you
1: what, football or no football, I was not done with that <laughs> knee. So um, being an athlete my whole life, my favorite things to do were always physical. So now that kind of my, we'll call it my team sport years were over, I began doing some exciting individual sports. So I would travel and uh, snowboard up in Canada. British Columbia was one of my favorite places to go. So I was snowboarding. I started skydiving, just anything there where I could get that thrill of... uh, Right, making a sack or... Exactly. I tried to replicate that. So um, I was out um, in Breckenridge one time snowboarding. It was a tough time of the year, apparently, because they hadn't gotten snow in like 10 days, and I was there for five, and they didn't get any snow while I was there. And I was coming down a nice big bowl pretty quick, and I fell like a... I mean, I had a million times before. I was certainly no pro, but... I was always okay to fall, tumble, and pop right back up, but I fell the wrong way. My board twisted a little bit underneath me, and sure enough, um, same as the second time, I heard that little pop. I couldn't extend my left leg, and it turned out I tore the ACL and meniscus on my left knee Jeez. yet again. So that this is, I already felt like, okay, it was more than a coincidence the second time. Clearly, I have a weakness, a little kink in the armor, and then this was... Just another instance, because even my surgeon, you know, fast-forwarding a bit, was a big-time snowboarder, and he was kind of just trying to calm me down before surgery, shooting the breeze with me, asking, oh, how'd you do this? What's going on? I told him, and he was like, I've been snowboarding for 20 years, and I've never even heard of a torn ACL snowboarding. He's right, like, man, it's like <clears> broken <throat> wrists are like, like super common, broken arms maybe, this and that. He's like, but you tore your ACL? ACL yeah?" But, I mean... He didn't know the background apparently it's just that knee is weak so it's been something I've had to battle with forever like I know now that it's something I'm always going to have to deal with and it's always going to be vulnerable.
0: Um have you gone snowboarding since you've recovered or I have not. Are you ever going to go again? I am. You are. When I when I feel confident and when I'm ready and I'm going to always
1: wear a knee brace and just take the proper precautions.
0: So were you wearing a knee brace la- the last time or I wasn't. No. All right. So kids out there, wear your knee brace if you. That's right. You need it. <laughs> Whatever brace you've been given <laughs> is so you can wear it. <laughs> um, what was the greatest obstacle that you've come across in your life to this point, whether it's football related or or not? You know, I'm gonna. It's an easy answer. The greatest obstacle I
1: overcame was that first injury, because it was the worst injury I've had in my life, and it was the toughest injury to overcome in terms of where I was in my life. So because of what a what a great experience college was for me, and I was really at the apex of it, um, you know, with possibly getting scouted, and who knew what the future held, but it was exciting, and it was amazing, and I was coming to a close of a four-year career with some of my best friends I'd ever made, and then Just in an instance, all that being taken away, that was probably the the toughest obstacle I had to overcome. And, you know, what helped me do that was my support system, I think. My therapist was a great guy. He helped get me through it. JR, he's the man. My family was behind me. My teammates, my extended family, they all had my back. So I think just the support from everybody and the encouragement. And then I proved to myself that even though I did get hurt again later down the line, I still worked hard. And I got back to i want to say as strong or stronger and faster than I was before the injury and proved that you can go on and even play at a higher level
0: awesome that's a that's a great message um what advice would you give to your what seven no how old were you with the first injury uh i was twenty one so what what advice would you give to your twenty one year old self um, about the when the injury happened, knowing what you know now when you had those feelings of jealousy and and kind of like why me and you
1: know know, the only thing i would have changed was i would tell myself to work even harder and and to forget those and to try to not have those jealous feelings you know for other teammates or, or not feel like the the season's gone or the world stopped because i'm not there it's like this this kind of thing you know when it happens to you you feel like you're the only one in the world right but it happens every day to kids all over the place right so you just have to I would have just worked harder, fight harder, and every time I felt sorry for myself,
0: I, I wish I didn't. Awesome. What would you say separates an elite level athlete from an average athlete? Work ethic.
1: Okay. I mean, let's face it. Sometimes there's God-given talent that you can't deny, but we see guys in the pros, and you read stories about them—guys that have all the talent in the world—that blow. You know,
0: they end up. And our guy Michael Burton, who I'm perfect to, example
1: yeah. of a guy who had an unbelievable work ethic and was absolutely selfless. And now he is a starter in the NFL, right. uh, a college Brian, walk-on who Brian, became yeah. captain.
0: Brian trained uh, Mike in, in his high school days. Yeah,
1: high school into college, I had the opportunity to train with Mike. And he was one of the – honestly, he was probably the hardest-working athlete that I've trained. And that right there tells the story. And look where he is now in the NFL.
0: What about him – like? What did he do that you say that, like that he was the hardest working athlete? You know
1: what he did? Everything. He did everything I asked him to do, full speed, as hard as he could, with the best technique he could. He did not take one second off. He didn't take one play off. He didn't take one minute off. He was 100% full effort
0: all the time. Awesome. I did an interview with Mike uh, a couple of weeks back. I'm just trying to get his agent's approval, and then I'll, I'll post it up. But Oh, yeah. <laughs> that might take a while he's
1: <laughs> he's, big, he's time. big time yeah, now. yeah. exactly
0: um, alright we're starting to wrap it up here uh, what are your top three songs on your workout playlist ooh
1: let's see that's a really good question I'm old school so I'm gonna take it right back to the West Morris High School locker room okay ACDC um,
0: Thunderstruck okay that, that's,
1: yeah that's a classic um, Metallica Enter Sandman okay see I'm, I'm old school And then let me, you know, let's see, let me throw a little new school action in there because I do like some new music. (laughs) No, no, not as much as old music. (laughs) Number three,
0: I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) We can go with two. Those are the top two. Top two, two. I'm cool with Two classics. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right, so what three things are you most grateful for right now? So I'm most grateful for my family and friends
1: more than anything. Cause I have an exceptional family and great friends and that's, you know, they've got me through tough times and then they just keep me happy in the good times. Exactly. Um, and also just my health for sure, because you know, you, you get down on yourself. Like we talked about a lot of injuries, those injuries come and go and then you heal in your back, but you just keep taking care of yourself more generally and staying in good health is really important. And I'm in good health. So,
0: yeah, that's not always the case for everyone. Like, exactly. Yeah. um, What would you say your best day ever would consist of Mm, from when you wake up to when you go to
1: sleep? So it would start with bacon. Okay. Just steering away from that being in good health thing (laughs) and a great workout, just feeling on top of the world after a good morning workout. That just propels me through the day. A nice productive day, okay, of work. And let's cut that work off at around 1 o'clock if okay. we're talking the best day ever. Yep. And then now I'm laying on the beach with a nice cold adult beverage in my hand. Uh, I've got my girlfriend on one side. I've got family and friends around me. The sun is setting.
0: And I won the lottery. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. It's a good, good, perfect day that it can extend into many more perfect days. Exactly, with not all bad, that right? Money, yeah, that wasn't bad off the cuff. <laughs> What's uh, last question? What's your personal definition of perseverance? Perseverance to me is
1: having the will to overcome any obstacle in your way. That is to persevere through. You know, anyone can float along and you know through the good times, but when things get rough, the people that put their head down and they don't quit right that's persevering to me
0: i think that that's interesting that you say that because that's what coach henley used to say to us all the time like because we sucked we were terrible when, when i played And he you'd always say like everyone loves a winner but like you the, you become the person you are in in the hard times and we dealt with a lot of the hard times yeah you got so, that early yeah um well brian thank you very much for uh coming on the podcast and taking an hour out of your day to to come talk with me and help other athletes transition to their lives after sports or to overcome their injuries and get back to their sport Um, i think there's a lot of good takeaways from from this interview
1: oh my pleasure thanks for having me
0: thanks brian